Matt, I'm going to get it right this week. It's podcast 33. Isn't that what you said last week? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I'm just getting ahead of myself. I get too excited. You know how I get. We are putting the rock back into rocket this week. We really are. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. And it's one of my favourite, favourite subjects. So I'm super amped, as the kids say. <laughs> I'm amped too. Yeah. Jamie, there's one, there's one, I for, do you know what? I've forgotten the original catchphrase. The original catchphrase? <laughs> Ian Tablantry podcast. It's not rocket science. Not. not. Yes. Yes, see that? And that. we're off. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> obviously, the one to cover is Cassini. It's got to be Cassini. The Cassini-Huygens mission, named after two very important Dutch astronomers. Yes. I love a bit of Cassini and Huygens. If you ever want to see a really good programme about Cassini and Huygens, is watch the episode on Carl Sagan's Cosmos with those two in it. It's brilliant. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's oh, oh just the it's biggest like... no-brainer of any space <laughs> DVD to watch. Yeah, do you, do, you want, yeah do, you want, do you want to know about something? Carl Sagan. Yeah. Done. It's just normal, standard stuff. <laughs> standard. So, Matt, I'd like to ask you a question. So, mm-hmm. so, when did Cassini first launch? I was thinking today, it, it launched on October the 15th, 1997. See, this is the thing. I don't think people realise just how long it's been doing this. Oh, no. Well, well th- this is what I was thinking. This is what I was actually thinking on the, on the train back to back home i was thinking just like when we talked to gerhardt of um of uh, the rosetta mission yeah that and it was like presumably um this whole mission was probably at the point it took off in 97 was already about 20 years on the table so say if you had joined nasa and and the very first project you were working on was Cassini, yeah. Then for, and then you were sort of working on that. Okay, let's say let's be let's be a bit more let's be a bit more less conservative and go with fifteen years. You were working on it, yeah. And then and then for the next twenty years, it's been flying. So it's now thirty five years. So if you started at twenty, you'd be fifty five. Pretty much your entire working life <sighs> on Cassini. Thank goodness. And, and what, but, thank but that'd goodness. be ace, though, wouldn't it? Thank goodness it was awesome and just just absolutely just piling in with ridiculous content and photos and research and giving us just such a bigger knowledge of our solar system. I mean, it's mind-blowing. So, yeah, I mean, so seven-year journey from Earth to just to get there, (laughs) just to get there, and then 13 years in orbit. It's, It's so, so good. But yeah, so originally, the original mission ended when? It, 2008, wasn't it? Two, yeah, 2008. So it's like once it had got its 2008 mission under its belt, it's like that is kind of job done. I'm so but 2008. St- you so 2008. <laughs> <laughs> that but was um, like, the Black Eyed Peas, I believe. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then... Uh, they said, "Well, let's let's just do some more." So they started the two-year Equinox mission, which involved sixty orbits of Saturn, twenty-six flybys of Titan, seven of Enceladus, and one of each Dione, Rhea, yeah. and Helene. The planning involved in that, and the the just the logistics involved in that. I mean, one of the reasons why. I mean, we'll go into it in more detail later, but one of the reasons, obviously, why Cassini had to die was that it ran out of rocket fuel. Because think of all the movements that it's it's had to do. do. You know, obviously, when it's in orbit, that's one thing. But getting from, you know, one moon to another and... Uh, I mean, it's insane. Yeah, I mean, what's absolutely amazing is the fact that, that it's pretty much going to be its last drop of fuel <laughs> to do this last manoeuvre yeah. to get it 
to get it out. It must yeah. have been brilliant working at NASA to try and with the Cassini Equinox mission going, well, what, what can we do now? Well, there's enough fuel to do this. So they've done all this and they've managed to see Saturn's rings as they've been sunlit behind them and edge oh on and all God. these things. So, honestly, like the, my favourite photos ever are, are from Cassini. And I mean, the, the recent ones as well where it's yeah. it's diving it, uh, it's just well, that, that, well, it's well i mean this is mind it. every blowing. week every week now it's going to go in between the 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 rings and the atmosphere and and that's going to be every week for the next well there's 20 left there's 20 left and then it's going to burn up on the 15th of september which i think's a real pity because um if it did one more month it'd be exactly 20 years since it took off yeah it is it's going to be an emotional day i think um, but what an innings, as they say. I mean, yeah. any anyone who wonders why NASA spends so much money on projects like this, just go to the website and check out not just the photos, but look at look at the research, look at the work oh, that it's done, look at the look at the stuff that we now know that we didn't. It'd be really interesting to see how many research papers and how many will, are to come from Cassini there yeah. will be. So, Absolutely. The Equinox mission wasn't wasn't the only mission that it had then, because that only brings us up to 2010. We've we still got the Cassini Solstice mission, which yes. has just finished, which was which was seven years long. I mean, imagine this. This is like another. So this has added another nine years on to that to that um, to that original mission. So it's like what? And how and many so or, a, how many orbits was that? So it's on 155 orbits of Saturn. 54, 54 flybys of Titan, 11 flybys of Enceladus. See, what's, what's funny is when you say 155 orbits, people are probably like, oh, that's probably, they probably do that pretty quick. But if you think about the size, <laughs> it's pretty big. Well, yeah, I mean, and, it, and its, its speed relative to Saturn has been averaging a kind of 34,000 kilometres an hour. Yeah, it's pretty quick. <laughs> or 21,000 miles an hour. I mean, it's just it's pretty, pretty quick insane, as they go. It? How fast is your Volvo? Uh, I think I managed to get it up to about 96. Right. But no, I, I, I didn't. <laughs> no, I've, I've only ever gone 70. It starts like to rattle. British, yeah, it starts to rattle. Yeah, so if, there, if, there if the are police, police listening, listening then, I only, that, that was a joke. Only, yeah, that is very, very fast. So 155 was 54 flybys of Titan and 11 flybys of um, Enceladus. So, yeah. wow. Okay. So, so let's, let's talk a little bit about Cassini, but put a bit of, uh, kind of perspective. So as we spoke about on a, a few podcasts ago, when we spoke about Saturn's rings, we did yeah. actually... We did go into a little bit about Cassini, mm. Huygens' mission, but it's um, uh, and we sort of mentioned that this thing is the size of a sort of American school bus, a thirty-seater yes. American school bus, uh, the same sort of weight and size, two stories high, and it's got uh, it's equipped to do twenty-seven types of science investigations. I think that's when the Huygens probe was on board. Mm. So it's got twelve instruments, and you can kind of consider Cassini to be a bit like a, a human being in the fact that it can smell, it can touch, it can see, it can do all yes. those kind of things. So that's what it's been kind of doing is, is our uh, uh, eyes and ears and taste and everything out, out orbiting Saturn. I think genuinely uh, that's what makes these things quite sad to me when they, when they die because they, yeah. they're doing stuff that humans do, you know, but they're just doing it a little bit further away in a mind-bending uh, solar system and we shouldn't forget the Huygens probe because the Huygens probe uh, the, the, this whole uh, effort has actually been quite international as well so the Huygens mm. probe I believe was was quite a European effort so the, the, the whole um, you know quite a few nations came together to build what what was essentially one of you know NASA's flagship um, missions absolutely um, uh, I mean anyone who sort of moans at NASA and you, you think god how could you how could you think? I mean, this has just been this is such a massive success story of of how exciting. What an, it's just brilliant. The, I think um, the people who moan just. I think that they don't. They just don't know enough about it. But I think they they think it's just taking photos. Simply yeah. not the case. 
No, I mean we'll, we'll get on to some of the science kind of breakthroughs yeah, it, yeah. it's had. I mean it uh, it communicates back to Earth via one great big high gain antenna, and it's got two low gain antennas on board as well. Yeah. And I think that the low gain antennas only are used in the event of a sort of catastrophic failure with the electrics because right. the high gain antenna obviously takes a lot of power. Yeah. And the power is supplied by three uh, radio. Uh, radio isotope thermoelectric generators, or RTGs, as they're called. Uh, and it's got three of those, uh, which would mark it as not being a European mission, because, as we know, Europe decided that they were never going to stick that kind of radioactive material up into space. Yeah. And so all European missions are solar-powered rather than... Um, Nuclear power. Yes. So, so that's that's the kind of difference. So it's got three little uh, RTGs on board, and that's why it's you know it's got quite a lot of i.e. it's a really powerful uh, spacecraft. Mm. Um. So there's some there's some pretty ace stats. So, <laughs> it relative to Saturn, it's got it's going to be going about seventy eight thousand miles an hour on these little dive through. Nice. Uh, respect to Earth, the maximum speed reached by Cassini was 42,000 miles an hour in 1999 as it flew past on one of its sort of swing-bys to get enough speed to go out. Uh, then it flew by Venus on a second flyby and was going 30,000 miles an hour. To put and it then into it flew- perspective, how fast does a plane go, roughly? Ooh, that's a good, that's a good point. I might, well, ch- I might have a no, look at well, that. Well, no plane other than Concorde flies over the speed of sound, which is about 600 and something miles an hour. Yeah. So, so they, they all fly under 600 miles an hour. So um, it's quite con- – <laughs> it's not even a rounding error. It's like uh, – it's two orders of magnitude faster. So I've just Googled a, uh, how fast is a fighter jet in MPH. And have a guess, Matthew. Well, they'll do – They'll do a Mac two or some Mac three or something like that. So about, it's Mac about two point three three five. About a thousand miles an hour, and that's between one thousand five hundred and fifty miles an hour or two thousand five hundred kilometers per hour. So well, yeah. think about that. The fastest fighter jet we've got on Earth goes one thousand five hundred and fifty miles an hour. Yeah. So so yeah, an order of magnitude less. Than, that, than, than, than but then saying that what what is what is this speed in space it's it's, it's yeah. it, it, ta- it starts to take on a different meaning <laughs> really exactly so so why why are they going to why are they going to uh, burn this little fella up is is the question and, yeah well you know, as as we mentioned um it's fuel isn't it it's that they've just they well, just yeah, can't they, they, do more well, exactly well they can't do more but one of the things that they're really, really worried about, and particularly considering one of Cassini's most amazing revelations has mm. been that Enceladus and Europa have these... Um, well, Enceladus seems to be just, like, incredible. It has, it has um, hydro, you know, smokers. Yeah. It's probably got smokers underneath these massive oceans and is blowing out these uh, hydrocarbons into space. Mm. The last thing we could want is for Cassini to run out of fuel, do a few uncontrolled flybys and eventually crash... And contaminate um, contaminate Enceladus. It would yeah. be a total disaster. Absolutely, th- which goes uh, everything uh, against what uh, our mate Bob Richards was talking about in the Space Treaty. We're not allowed to do that yeah, stuff. Not not allowed to do it. And, and also, it would be an awful tragedy, even if we were or we weren't. I think science would be fair. Scientists would be, you know, pretty horrified if they went to Europa and it was like, oh. Well, yeah, it is kind of... Uh, there's life here, but it, it came off Cassini. Yeah, right. Uh, and, yeah. and we know and we know that life can survive um, uh, even without air and water. You get tardigrades and all sorts of things mm. that, uh, that hang on and, and are able to survive massive doses of radiation, everything. So we know that there is a, a Are those the weird-looking for- little armoured worm things? Yeah, they 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 are often called moss piglets. Yeah, they look or, they look really strange. Or, or water don't they? beds. They're the best things ever. I mean, the, the more you read about little moss piglets, the the, the the cooler they are. I mean, talk about survival mode. It's like <laughs> yeah, try and I mean, kill me. Good luck. Well, they, you can kill them, but as soon as they become a de- completely dehydrated, it's the fact that they can lose all their water and mm. eventually just become dry. And then pour water back on them a few hundred years later, and they will literally 
spring back to life. It's like, whoa. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, like, no, yeah, tardigrades are just... Like gremlins. Different. Yeah. Oh, it's slightly different. <laughs> no, no, they're, they're totally like great. Yeah, yeah, gremlins. So yeah. We, we've just had Cassini's second dive has just happened, and again, it's it's got in contact back with Earth, so it's surviving these these uh, dive throughs. Yes, uh, and and they thought they actually thought that that uh, the the dust in between the atmosphere and the sort of main ring, because mm. it's only about two hundred miles inside that main ring. Um, uh, so it's about 200 miles away from the edge of the ring and about 1,500, uh, no, less than that, about 1,300 miles from the, the surface of the right. planet. Okay. Uh, but that, that area, they think, has got dust particles that are about the size of smoke. Ah, okay. But, but I know that the first time that, the, uh, that Cassini went whizzing through, it used its high-gain antenna, the big dish, mm. uh, which is about four metres across, and it uses it as a shield uh, uh, against all these kind of smoke particles, just in case, because obviously it's travelling at whatever it was, 77,000 miles yeah. an hour, just in case uh, these particles, well, hit something and, and, and knocked knock Cassini out, because that's, you know, they, even though it's on the last part of its mission, they still don't want to lose it. See, uh, because is... because this is a, the, the most amazing thing is now now they can risk this massive crash yeah, because it's yeah. it's basically they're they're, they're going to be able to do some absolutely awesome uh, science. Yeah, because let's face it, if the mission ends four months early, out of you know however many years, it's not going to be great shakes, is it? No, but in but but this mission will allow um, will allow the spacecraft to make a detailed map of Saturn's gravity and its magnetic fields. Amazing, uh, which which will hopefully help us sort of realise how it's it's arranged internally, um, and and also how fast Saturn is rotating, perhaps, um, and it will improve the knowledge on the material in the rings because it's able to sort of look back at the rings and, and, and get a, a better idea of how old the rings are, because it's still one of the mysteries about why they're so yeah. bright. And, obviously, the, the real bonus for us here on Earth, as non-science types, is the fact that it will take unbelievable pictures of Saturn's rings and Saturn's oh, uh, yeah. atmosphere, Defin- which it already is. Definitely that, that, a favourite. That, <laughs> that storm on the top of, uh, on the top of Saturn. Oh, and, and actually, you know what? One of my favourite things is so many people sort of go straight to the raw images and process them themselves. So the moment that the images go up on NASA, you get people's attempts at really sort of making these pictures Yeah, putting look filters great. over them. And, I mean, the, the, the reds and the blues of the storms on the poles were just mind-blowing. Absolutely yes. mind-blowing. I mean, I, I don't know enough about it, of course, Um but one thing that fascinates me is that there's so much debris and, um, you know, w- what with the rings, um, that, that you think it's a pretty, it's a pretty damn skilled job just to make sure that it doesn't get hit by anything. Do you know oh, what I mean? <laughs> Cause if you pick, yeah. if you pick, if you think about earth and how many things there are floating around here, it's one thing. But times that by a billion when you go near somewhere like Saturn, right? Well, yeah, particularly considering we really still don't know what causes the rings. Mm. But thanks to Cassini, at least we're a lot, lot closer to understanding that. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So the Cassini project manager, Earl Mays, said this about the uh, dive-through. He goes, no spacecraft has ever been this close to Saturn before. We could only rely on predictions based on our experience with Saturn's other rings of what we thought this gap between the rings and Saturn would be like. I am delighted to report that Cassini shot through the gap as planned and is in excellent shape. So... So it was still a gamble. It was still a gamble, though. It was still... You still don't know what the material it was between the atmosphere and the outer ring. It might have been lucky. You never know. It might it might actually hit something on one of these dive-throughs. But the, the, that have you seen the video of its first dive-through? Where, I have, where seen, it the actually shows, I have uh, seen the video. Uh, and I love that they've, they've done a nice, uh, you know... Uh, let, let's put it into layman's terms perspective for you. Oh, yeah, um, where, where they put the little red dot of, which of, is, of what yeah, the, where which the picture is, is at any one point. Oh, it's, oh, it's, it's incredible. It, but there's an ace bit where you, it starts off at that storm at the top 
and but then you get a little glimpse of another storm sort of like about halfway down yeah. you just get all these strange little structures and you go oh, I, I can't wait for that I mean, data to be to be analyzed and the actual sort of pictures pieced together and, and shown like they have done these beautiful pictures yeah that come it's, out. it's so active i mean it's definitely not a boring planet let's put it that way linda spilker uh, who's the one of Cassini's project scientists? Seeing as I'm going to look, I'm going to look up Linda Spilker and the, and the other people and see just how long they've been working on Cassini. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> imagine if you worked on Cassini right from early doors and, and then you sort of got offered a job promotion to work on, you know, some other spacecraft like Maven or something. Yeah, I mean, it'd be just so hard to leave, wouldn't it? It'd it would be so be, hard to so leave a project by like that point. Well, I mean, it's like the, it's one of the most incredible space missions ever, and you think. Uh, why would I leave this? Like, uh, it'd be really interesting to hear the story of some of the people that that surround this this incredible mission. But uh, Linda Spilker so she said we're looking at a string of remarkable discoveries about Saturn's magnificent rings, its amazing moons, its dynamic magnetosphere, Titan's surface. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, we could get onto Titan's surface in a minute, uh, and its atmosphere. Some of the mission highlights so far include discovering that Titan had Earth-like processes, and the small moon Enceladus has a hot spot at its southern pole, mm. plus jets on the surface that spew out ice crystals and liquid beneath its surface. So I thought it'd be, it'd be good to just have a quick look at the sort of top 10 yes. uh, Cassini discoveries. You know I love a top 10. Top 10. So I think, you know, in, a, in at number 10. Do, 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 okay, do. let's do it. You take, you take number 10. Uh, so NASA Cassini spacecraft and ESA's Huygens probe expanded our understanding of the kinds of worlds where life might exist and did it ever so it discovered uh, Saturn's moons and Enceladus and Titan Cassini and Huygens made exploring ocean worlds a major focus of planetary science before this you know even with the Voyager missions this whole idea of having planets outside of the habitable zone with liquid water was you know just a, it wasn't even considered and now that the, the Cassini has opened our eyes onto this like incredible uh, possibility that that, that that lots of planets in the outer solar system have got liquid water on them, and not just a bit of liquid water, like <laughs> absolutely well, yeah, even more than yeah, it's like a jo- it's like a joke when we think that we're the the planet, the water planet. You know, it's yeah, like you and, were saying and, the other day. It's like there there are moons orbiting other planets in our solar system that have way more water than we do. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, you know, it's it's like like Bob Richard said as well. Water is go- is is the fuel Absolutely. of outer space. It's like yeah. it, it's like he was saying even, that the moon could if, potentially be a, a gas station for going into yeah. Mars is a gas station. Even Pluto is a ma- is a gas station, and you just think, wow, this is just incredible. I mean, Cassini as as well. Some of the some of the really cool things about Cassini, uh, which were uh, is which is in at number nine. I think mm. <laughs> is the way uh, is is actually the the technology the, the technical complexity of the way that it's found it, you know it's used its instruments and the way that it's it's done its manoeuvring. So you know it's it's an international collaboration. It it, it told three space agencies with nineteen countries contributing hardware to the flight system, uh, and it's got. Nine miles of cabling with twenty-two thousand connections. Oh God! It's the first space mission that had solid-state data recorders, so no moving parts. Yeah. Tape, uh, so, uh, and solid-state power switches, things like that. It's the uh, and and the planners designing the flybys of the Moon Titan to use the, the use the Moon's gravity to navigate around Saturn. And it, and it's basically that's that is the key to the kind of um, orbital mechanics mm. is that they've used uh, Titan as a kind of again like a kind of virtual gas station where they're using uh, instead of the water the gravity yeah. of Titan uh, uh, to to keep speeding Cassini around um, around Saturn and and giving Cassini this being able to use a small amount of fuel to get to Titan and then fling it round in a, in a different type of orbit so that it could do other uh, flybys. So, yeah. so, so all this kind of um, brilliant use of orbital mechanics has, has taught people loads and loads and loads about how to explore 
the outer solar system and it, and it means that you know when when nasa plan things like europa clipper mm. they're going to be able to um uh have all this data about uh, you know who i mean basically the the the, the mission planners of cassini huygens are essentially geniuses they've just done an incredible job well it takes things like this to progress us onto what we're going to do next and 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 to be able to do it cheaply they're going to look at this and say well, what did we do wrong what did we do right where can we save money that's that's what these missions are about incredible yeah uh i think in at <clears throat> number eight would be um the discovery the, the, the cassini and huygens made uh, the, the discoveries they made on titan yes the fact that as as huygens went down into the in, into the lower atmosphere and and we get to look for the first time at this alien world mm. you know, huygens landed on titan it's just that is in even if cassini and huygens that's all they did that would be incredible in its yeah. in, in itself yeah but but <laughs> but huygens managed to take this kind of bird's eye view of titan and what what that is is just incredible you see these earth-like landscapes where where the where instead of water we've got um uh, uh, flowing hydrocarbons, mm. liquid hydrocarbons, methane pouring around, but it makes a Earth-like um, environment. So you get lakes and seas and sloping shorelines and sheltered bays uh, and water ice rocks rounded into pebbles and little rivers. I mean, it's just... And, and you see the same sort of shapes that and geology that you see on Earth, and you see think, that's wow, what's it- super exciting because we're always thinking that you know nowhere's like where we are at all. But hearing you say stuff like shorelines and sheltered bays, and I mean, yeah. that's that's home from home. And of course, there's still a chance that that life might not need water, and and, and actually there might be a kind of titan based life form mm. who knows i mean but it certainly offers that uh, um possibility absolutely now it, here's one of the really cool things so even though uh cassini's been out at saturn for 13 years yeah um it, it's only really a half a saturn year that it's been out there so that's crazy. so Saturn, so so in that thirteen years, Saturn's only really gone about halfway round the sun. So, um, but so, but we've seen Saturn really from northern winter to the start of northern summer. So that we, so the only real season that we've missed is Saturn's autumn, I suppose. Mm. Um, uh, and the, the great thing about that is that we've just been able to see all these changes that happen to Saturn. As it as it goes through a similar sort of process that Earth does, I mean, it's not as tilted as Earth is to the Sun. I don't think so. That I don't think that the. Um, do you know what? Actually, I'm I'm I'm, I'm making that up. Oh. I think I, I just don't know. I don't think it's as tilted. So I don't think that the um, weather extremes are as epic as Earth's. Uh, um, you know, uh, season seasons. Well, if I know our listeners, Matt. And yeah. um, I think I do. They're going to be looking into that and researching it themselves. Because yeah, one so thing think, we don't want is fake news on this podcast. No, no fake news. So that's a really good point. So it, it'd be gr- it'd be great actually to learn a little bit about the seasons on um, Saturn. But that's certainly something that Cassini has been able to do. You know what, Matt? Seasons on Saturn sounds like a song that you would have written in your old band called Broadsword. Yeah, Broadsword. That would definitely seasons be that would be a Saturn. title track, wouldn't it? Oh, totally. And it would start off with acoustic guitar. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little bit of kind of, maybe maybe even some recorder. Maybe going into some kind of prog flute or something. Yeah. Definitely have a very heavy <laughs> I think, heavy I think we should make it happen. <laughs> so next week we should be playing. Yeah, that'll be the intro. <laughs> yes. Do you want to chip in with a number seven? Right, so I'll take number seven then. So Cassini revealed Saturn's moons to be unique worlds with their own stories to tell, of course. So Cassini data enabled scientists to confirm earlier suspicions that Phoebe is likely an object from the outer solar system beyond Neptune. Whoa! Uh, Cassini also gave scientists a better understanding of why Hyperion looks like a giant sponge or wasp's nest tumbling through space. That is an image and a half, isn't it? The pictures of Hyperion are absolutely my favourite. because That is mind-blowing. 
no, they they look they look really weird because it looks like the, the holes are somehow uh, spreading. I don't out think as I've well. seen that photo. I need to check that out. Oh no, ASAP. no, you definitely. That, uh, yeah. Uh, in fact, I'm going to quickly run down the the moons that you should you should check out the photos of. Okay. So we have got Titan. We got yeah. Titan. Rhea. Mm-hmm. Lapitus. Dion. Tethys. Enceladus. Mimas. Hyperion. Phoebe. Janus. Epimetheus, Prometheus, Pandora, Helen, or Helene, Atlas, Pan. Pan is the one that looks a bit like um, uh, Ravioli. Yeah. Uh, Telesto, Calypso, and Methone. It sounds they like... They are it, all it, brilliant photos. It sounds like a list of my ex-girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Um, At least three of those are real. Some of, some of them are real. <laughs> oh, I'm not even kidding. Oh, no. Anyway, moving on. Um, so, yeah, that wasp's nest tumbling through space. Amazing. Um, so, Cassini found that Enceladus um, is not only active, but that it's geologically active um, and creating Saturn's E ring and spray painting services of several of the other moons with its highly reflective ice particles. Uh, Wispy terrains on Dion, Cassini found that features were in fact a vast network of canyons. Prometheus interacts with Saturn's F-ring to create features like streamers, plumes and drapes. Wow. Whoa. So, yeah, I mean, all the sort of... Whenever you look at any of the moons of Saturn... They're all different. They've all got crazy stuff going on. They've all got like this crazy story to tell, just like we did with the with the old um, the one that looks uh, like Pan, that looks a bit like Ravioli, and the mm. fact that it's sort of in between the in between the rings, and as it skips up and down, it kind of uh, attracts a bit of the dust around its midriff, and so it's it's got this crazy. Shape yeah, it's a weird. It's, it is a weird but shape. Every single, every single one of them, like Mimas, that looks like the Death Star, mm. you know, and they they all look crazy. Yeah, but uh, Hyperion, I think, is probably my favourite because <laughs> it, it it just looks amazing. Yeah, I need to check that out. And that's the thing. I think when we when we talk about you know moons orbiting planets in our solar system, we just assume that they're going to look a little bit like our moon, and it's simply not the case. Definitely not the case with Saturn. Um, I heard recently that um, it, 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 there will be a point where Mars, where um, where uh, Phobos gets so close to Mars that Mars will rip it apart, mm. and uh, it, and Mars will have a ring system for a while. Wow! Uh, but then that ring system will recoalesce into a into a into a moon again. Oh, it's so insane! So, it's so you know, insane. That, but the fact, yeah, no one really understands why why uh, Saturn has this massive, huge ring system mm. still. Uh, but but I tell you what, Matt, if you're Cassini, interested about that, yeah, I think you should go mm-hmm. back and listen to our podcast on Saturn's rings. Oh, absolutely, totally. We because totally we don't we don't it. want to big ourselves up, but it was pretty good. No, but it is a really good episode. I really I really enjoyed that. Yeah, like, that was one of so, my favourites. We left no yeah. ring unturned. Yes, and of course there was the classic uh, song to help you oh, remember yeah, the order of course, the rings. Well, you know, infamous, now infamous song. <laughs> no, infamous, so, Matt, I think it's gone um, viral. What's in at number six? Well, is the complexity of Saturn's rings and the dramatic processes that uh, operate within them. So Cassini was the first, you know, thing to, to see quite a lot of these crazy things and to explain some of the things that Voyager saw as well. So when Voyager went whizzing past, it saw these spokes in the rings Mm. uh and cassini has helped answer those um what what those spokes were in actual to confirm that they actually existed as well uh and other sort of vertical structures and shadows and all those kind of things have been kind of seen by cassini and and a lot of it is answered and again obviously this this goes back into this whole area of just think how many scientific papers have been generated by cassini absolutely Um, uh, but one of the really, really cool things is that the the wavy patterns inside the rings themselves mm. resemble a kind of miniature Milky Way. Yeah, li- so in literally ways- my favourite photo of all time is exactly that. The ripples <laughs> yeah. created at the front and the back, left and right of the rings, 
when the moon goes past. I mean, it's yeah, and, oh. and, and that and that is giving uh, scientists a kind of insight into the way that galaxies form. So, not only, uh, in fact, that's one of my favourite things is that uh, the rings of Saturn can be used uh, as a, an analogy of how solar systems form, yeah. how galaxies form. Uh, and and so it, it's told us so many things about you know orbital resonances and all those kind of things. Mm. It's, it's just it's just profound how much information has come from this one mission. Absolutely, and that brings us on to number five, which is exactly like you said. Some of Cassini's best discoveries were serendipitous. What Cassini found at Saturn prompted scientists to rethink their whole understanding of the solar system. Towering jets of ice and water. Uh, pouring out of a moon as tiny as Enceladus were a huge surprise. I mean, they're going to be looking at these things every day, mind-blowing stuff that that is changing the view um, oh, of, yeah, no, of, it, of of how our solar system works. And absolutely, and, and, and it's a no daily thing, isn't it? That. Yeah, yeah. No one, no one predicted that there would be geysers of water coming from moons round Saturn. No, I mean, mm. it's like what what the heck uh, and you know all those things like electrically charged gases and plasmas and, and oxygen so Cassini detected oxygen on its approach to Saturn yeah and like uh, you said and, and, I mean the, the ocean underneath the ice crust I mean it's <laughs> you know these things these things could really help us in the future yeah so yeah and and that oxygen came from Enceladus so like a big massive water bubble that gets where the oxygen gets liberated from the water by by sunlight mm. and and Saturn's magnetic field there's the way that they all interact and uh, what's genius about the scientists that they've been able to sort of figure all this out with this smaller bits of information that Cassini keeps pumping back you know this this little uh, science laboratory that's been whizzing around almost for 20 years Oh, so I'm, I'm imagine, I'm, I mean, imagine building something that lasts twenty years for yeah. a start off. Imagine building something that lasts twenty years in extreme radiation environments and magnetic fields and dust. And I think everything. that's what blows my mind is that that they what they've done is, I mean, doing anything in space is. I mean, even if you're trying to orbit Earth, think of the hundreds of things that can go wrong. And this is oh. next level, isn't it? It is next level. So let's see. The number one thing, though, that Cassini has done is bring really outer space, the outer solar system, to the general public. Mm. You know that that whole, all those incredible pictures. The the fact that it's a, like the picture it did the other day, that one that that, that we were just literally jaw dropping where yeah. the earth is taken between the rings and you can see earth and then you zoom in and you can see the moon as well and you go what i know, I know. It's, it's just it doesn't look still, real it no, just that doesn't, doesn't look real and you go oh my you know and, and, and we that, mentioned and we mentioned carl sagan earlier i mean yeah. talk about pale blue dot i mean it just yeah. makes you think that so much of what we get stressed about and all this fighting and wars it seems so ridiculous. And I think that was the point. Yeah. You know? We are nothing. Yeah. We are nothing in the universe. We're, we're nothing in our solar system. And yet we think we're pretty important. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> but, you know, that, that, that is its achievement. For me, what's, what's your favourite uh, Cassini photo it so ha- far? It has I mean, to be, I have to say so it has far, to be the waves in the, in, in the rings. For sure, the wa- the waves in the rings is yeah. incredible. But for me, I, th- <laughs> I think it might be its sort of selection of moons. I think that, mm. that all those different pictures of moons where they're all different. Yeah. I mean, just how cool is Mimas looking like the Death Star? I mean, Mimas like is cool. <laughs> you couldn't make that up. Yeah, I might call uh, my I, first son Mimas. Yeah, why not? Just Look need it, to oh, find a bullied. consenting yeah. female. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, surely one of the consenting females might be <laughs> pan prometheus yeah if you're out Hyperion. there pan, um email in at interplanetary oh. podcast i think pan wasn't pan like a, a sort of sexy goat was it pan yeah. yeah i think pan's like yeah roman sexy goat right yeah. uh moving on mm. so yeah cassini everyone hands up for cassini yeah Woo-hoo. so we shall we shall be 
obviously covering Cassini uh, round about my birthday time, 10th of September, if any, yes. any, any, any listeners want to send in presents. Absolutely. Uh, and, and that'll be probably our show before poor old Cassini burns up in the atmosphere of Saturn. We will light it's- a candle in its honour. Wow. And please, it's- please go to the... I think we need to stick up some links of the pictures that we've been talking oh, yeah, about yeah. in this show Let- um, for people, up. including me to go and check out some of the things that Matt's been uh, waxing lyrical about. I, I have to say that, that there is only one website that's just... NASA, again, their Cassini, Cassini Huygens website is mm. absolutely brilliant. It's pretty brilliant damn from start good. From to, start to finish, top job, everything's there, and obviously the, image, the fact that the, all the images are for public consumption and you can, you can download the raw data and, and make your own images up, make them your own, it's just brilliant. Long may it continue. So I just thought we should better finish off with some pretty awesome space news. Yeah, what's week. been going on? So SpaceX obviously uh, uh, launched a military satellite yeah. uh, recently, the NROL-76. Did you see the footage of the landing? I Not only did I see the footage, but I, I watched it several times because I couldn't quite <laughs> believe. It looks like a computer game. No, that, I, I think that's the best footage we've seen so far, far of yeah, landing, definitely. particularly live, because the, the weather conditions were just amazing. Yeah. The fact that they could, they could, they were taking like really, really good shots of it coming down, and it's yeah. still like seventy miles up. Yeah, which is like what? Yeah, it's just <laughs> really, it's, you know, it was it was absolutely incredible. I just thought I just thought the footage was just brilliant, particularly yeah. the the landing burn. How cl- how clear and close up that that image was was just oh my god it was yeah. absolutely brilliant and oh, and, it, and of what's great is that that for SpaceX that's that's a, that's a, another huge step forward not only have they uh, got this launch cadence going so that yeah. you know we, we're getting to see some pretty um, consistent flights now from SpaceX yeah uh, but also that was a military con- uh, contract the first one mm. and uh, and and this is what the military from the director of the National Reconnaissance Office said he says thanks to SpaceX team for the great ride and for the terrific teamwork and commitment they demonstrated throughout they were an integral part of our government industry team for this mission and proved themselves to be a great partner that must be music to Elon Musk's ears oh, because that absolutely. you know he's proper now in United Launch Alliance's territory, uh, and you know, for the American military, they, they must be so chuffed because this is this is much cheaper way of getting into space for them, and that means you know that they can they, they can proper start pumping their uh, new uh, Trump style budget up into space. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know whether that's a good and thing for mankind, but it's certainly a good thing for SpaceX. Oh, and old, and old old Elon drink. Um, I mean he. He does. He's not one for just concentrating on one thing at a time. I mean, have you been seeing the stuff that he's been posting up about his boring company? Um, I mean, some of the future concepts about underground highways in future cities. I mean, it's like he just doesn't <laughs> yeah. stop. Yeah, he's he's obviously completely bonkers. In the best possible way. <laughs> in the best possible way. He's out there doing it. And uh, talking of out there doing it, yeah. uh, remember the the. The uh, company that we spoke about last week with Bob yes. Richards, which was uh, Rocket Lab. Yes. Uh, a very similar company to Rocket Lab called uh, uh, Vector mm-hmm. have have done a successful launch the other day of one of their similar rockets. To ah, the, the Vector Similar sort R. of class, the Vector R. Similar class rocket to uh, the Rocket Lab one that uh, hopefully Moon Express will be going up on. Yeah. And yeah, they, they showed the video. It was quite a good one because they obviously had a drone over the rocket, and and so they got that kind of really classic Kerbal Space Program mm. <laughs> uh, uh, launch view, which you don't often get. I must admit, there was there was a little bit of disappointment that I had with it in the fact that I don't think it I don't think it went particularly high. This thing, right? You know, I think it, you know, maybe went about a mile up. Mm. But I think you know, uh, in. In all seriousness, it's probably a very big milestone for the company. It's, they've tested out some serious hardware. Uh, now they've just got to get on with it and start getting getting it to the point where it can get small, these really tiny payloads up into space. Yeah, get some uh, serious uh, but, but it's that fact of, you know, we were talking about SpaceX being cheap. 
when it's down to sort of sixty million dollars. Mm. But but um, these things like the launch cost is one point five million to three point five million. Yeah, think, well, that, that's a different. That is a different league altogether. It really is, absolutely. So what's so got, what's what's NASA been up to, Matt? So uh, unfortunately, yes, the SLS Orion that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, the Orion mission, don't tell has me, it's delayed. <laughs> officially delayed now to 2019 but oh. they still haven't decided they still haven't decided whether that's going to be a manned mission or not right. there is so there is so much talk amongst people about whether it's a good or a bad idea i think most people think it's a bad idea to have a crewed first mission yeah but to be honest i'm i'm not so sure it's not like the uh, launch escape system isn't you know pretty well tested yeah so you know worst comes to worst there'll be a really exciting ride to get out the way of the thing blowing up so um i don't know i i just want them to get on with it and i suppose it, i suppose here's the bottom line is, uh, about the um whether it should be manned or not is mm. is, is 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 it's simple is do if it speeds up the program then go for a manned first mission. Yeah. If it doesn't make any difference to the rest of the program, then don't. As in, if it's not going to speed the sort of all the other missions afterwards, EM two, three, four, mm. five, six, and seven. If they're all going to still remain on the same timeline, then there doesn't seem to be any point. No, this is risking, the thing. I think once risking. you've got past the safety test, of course, we don't want anyone to be in danger. You wouldn't want to rush that. But once you've done that, it's like, yeah, fish or cut bait. Come on. <laughs> I'll tell you so, what, yeah, Matt, so, I'll tell you what's exciting that we haven't talked about. Yeah. L- Lego. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> I mean... Do you know what? So George asked for a uh, a Saturn V model for his for Christmas. Yes. And uh, obviously, I got the Revel one, but uh, Airfix make one as well. Um, but we've we've never really made those ones before because actually they're, they're they're really difficult. Oh my god! If you if you were to paint it properly, you need some proper skills. Yeah, um, that's some uh, and, they're st- and they're pretty expensive. But it is ace. Now we've built it. it it's pretty pretty ace. However, a, uh, what we would have been ideal would have course mm. been the Lego Saturn Five. And finally, Lego are releasing Here the Lego Saturn Five, and it go. looks absolutely awesome yeah need to check this out and feel like a kid again <laughs> yeah no i I might, I might even buy one for myself i'm looking at it now it's so lovely all the little bits all the little bits it's yeah. just perfect about 120 quid i reckon it's going to be over here which so, is i think it's going to be about 120 dollars as well so it's going to seem like you're rough. buying a really generous gift for your son where wherein yeah. you're going to be doing really, most of it aren't you? i'm going to be yeah no, yeah. to be fair, George, George and Arthur can build Lego models quicker than. Quicker oh no, than you I can don't say. mean they're not able. I mean you're going to do oh, no. it because you're a bigger kid than them. No, no. By the by the time the box <laughs> arrives, they'll have built it in like five minutes. I, I won't even get a look. And at they're like it. next, next, and then it it will sort of remain built for about half a day, and then it'll turn into some other thing. And Maybe then you could try and launch it in the it. middle of the night. I'll I'll be walking up the stairs. And then I'll feel this absolute agony yeah. as as I tread on one as of the tread pieces. on a small piece of rocket engine. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Uh, Matt, so uh, yeah, world's biggest space telescope heads west on path to launch pad. Now that's yeah, a so headlight. Like. You tell me a bit more. Yeah. So uh, yeah, James Webb Telescope. It has finished its testing at the Goddard Space Center. So it's on its way to Texas. Ready for its 2018 launch? I that that's we're both that's excited ex- about this one. Yeah, I mean, the pictures that. alone are so beautiful. That thing I, is so good looking, isn't it? It's the best looking thing ever. The, the, what's? I'm still really stressed. I'm still really stressed that it's going. You're nervous up, about that, it, aren't you? I am pretty nervous. It's like American built going up on a European rocket mm. it's like we're going to be so we're going to be so unpopular if, if well, that thing yeah let's hope that it's not us that does anything uh, come on europe make us proud come on come on everyone yeah, this is one of the most please. international efforts ever and and it's we taken think pic- quite a while to, to put together <laughs> so let's not yeah let's well, not muck if, this up if there's one thing that gives cassini a run for its money it's been it's been the hubble sp- Space telescope. Hasn't yeah, it? If you right. went around and asked people, "What's your favourite space mission?" I think most people would go with Hubble rather than Cassini. Yeah. But let's hope that James Webb, when when that little puppy goes up, that it, we're going to see 
a, a, a telescope fit for the 21st century? I think it's going to eclipse Hubble. Excuse the pun. <laughs> so on that note, Jamie, yeah. I think we should say... We should, we, actually, there is an Ariane 5 launch coming up, by the way. I think it's coming up very, very soon. I think maybe tomorrow, maybe tonight. Um, that's the one that's been stopped by industrial uh, trouble. Let, let's just oh. hope there isn't industrial trouble when it comes yeah, to Yeah, come on, guys, launching. sort it out. Well, it's <laughs> been a pleasure, out. and um, hope you guys have uh, enjoyed the show. As always, please keep sending us your emails and uh, tweets and, you know, comments and questions and thoughts on ideas of shows we love it and they really keep us uh pumped up yo oh no absolutely and one really really important announcement is uh on saturday this saturday the british interplanetary society have an introduction to rocket science at faraday theater of the Royal Institute, the famous Royal Institute. This is where the Christmas lectures and all that lot happen. Where can people so, go to get tickets? So they can go onto the bis-space.com website to get tickets. And uh, it's absolutely massively uh, worthwhile doing. Uh, and I believe if you've got, if you're a member of the British Interplanetary Society or the Canadian Space Society... Mm. Uh, you can you can get discounted uh, tickets, or if you're in full time education, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there are going to be quite a few speakers, including some NASA astronauts. Uh, but uh, there's Chris uh, Welsh from um, uh, from the International Space University, one of Bob's mates. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you know, quite a few brilliant speakers from Airbus, from Space Guard, from University of Warwick, from from uh, ExoMars rover uh, vehicle team from Surrey Satellites, uh, University of Surrey, University well, it of Leicester. Sounds like a, so, a massive space no-brainer. So, yeah, so I'm going to be there, Jamie. I know you. I know that I'm away, uh, so I can't make you're it. Away. But you're going to so be getting some great I'm interviews. Be there. I hear. I'm going to be getting some. I'm going to be going through that list and getting some Boston interviews. All of them come back and said, "Let we're good to go." So it's, that uh, is it's going to be awesome. Oh, but this, I mean, listen to some, listen to some of the uh, thing, listen to some of the uh, uh, talks. There's how to build a spa- spacecraft, why why we can't simply fly to space in a plane, observing our planet from above, astronauts and robots, how to go to Mars, ET phone home, what's it like living in space with with Katie Coleman from the International Space Station. Oh, I'm so jealous. Uh, Ah yes, <laughs> I don't want to hear any more. And uh, yeah, Jay Tate from the from Space Guard Center. So it's basically you know well, it sounds like you should get yourself down brilliant there. day. And uh, uh, so that's that. So uh, we'll have lots of lots of cool content coming up. Well, coming definitely check way, out. Listeners. Definitely check out next week. So yes, for sure. Yeah. So if you can come and join me, come and say hi, and that'd be fantastic. Uh, George is going to help me do some of these interviews. Oh, it's in the, a chance in the to meet the famous George. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, get, I hope it's a great one. George, yeah. And um, well, we'll see you next week. See you next week, Space Cadets. And don't forget to put the ace back into space. Ta-ta. Ta-ta.